What's up, everyone? So I have to admit, you guys surprised me. You really enjoyed the move-in process walkthrough. Uh, I was really kind of shocked by that. I After I recorded it and I listened to it and I edited it down a little bit, I was like, this almost seems really dry to me. So I'm like, oh gosh, they requested it. So I'm going to keep it in, but I really don't feel like this is going to be that great. But wow. Okay. Totally surprising. Um, gotten a lot of responses about that. Got a lot of people asking me follow-up questions like, is this a process you have written out? Would you be able to send it to us? How do we go about creating one ourselves if we have a lot of different state statutes than what you do in Wisconsin? So I've been kind of answering a lot of questions recently about that, which I'm very stoked to do that. I'm very happy to do that. I'm glad you guys are asking questions because honestly, that was the biggest part of what this podcast was ever supposed to be, was it was actually educating people on, honestly, let's call it the rather mundane aspects of real estate investing because there's, I don't think there's any other podcast out there that really approaches it as I do on this podcast. A lot of them bring on guests, have them tell their flashy stories about you know, how they got started, what their biggest deal was, what their worst deal was, but yet they never really get into the nitty gritty and day-to-day -day management and operations of rentals and buying rentals. So that's what this was always supposed to be about. So I guess that's why the rather mundane episode of the move-in process really took off. <laughs> so in this episode, we're going to do the move out checklist, which I told you before in the move in one, this was always going to be more interesting. So we're going to get into this one. And I think personally, it's going to be better than the move in process one, just because I feel like there's a lot more guts to this one. So before we get into this episode, we're going to have a little bit of a chuckle here. Uh, <laughs> One of the Instagram messages I got after the move-in episode was from a follower or a listener named Brian G. And he sent me a message saying, I just got done listening to the move-in episode for the fourth time. Gotta admit, the first, the first two times I listened to them for the sake of understanding everything in the episode, but the last two times I slowly listened to it so that I could hear you say the word progress in two different ways throughout the entire episode. <laughs> and I know I do this like progress and process. I flip between the American and British pronunciations of them. Uh, and honestly, it depends on my environment at the time and what I've been doing. Like if I'm watching a lot of British TV or YouTube or whatever, I'm almost always saying process and progress. Uh, but then every once in a while, I'll go back to saying process and progress. Actually, progress, I don't think I do anymore because I even had to like stumble to say that. But okay, Brian, I get it. My pronunciation fluctuates. Uh, and just so everyone knows, Brian wasn't being mean. There were laughing emojis with it. He ended it with like, love your podcast. I just got the biggest kick out of it because you're an American and you're flopping your pronunciations. <laughs> I guess, Brian, I'm glad I could entertain you and bring some humor to your week, especially if you may have been having a crummy week. I don't know if you were, but if you were, I hope that made you smile. <laughs> but now we're going to get into the move out process, going British there. 
We're going to talk about the move-out process and everything that we do when we're moving a tenant out of a building that we manage. So obviously the first step in any move-out process, well, at least ones where the tenant isn't skipping or you're not evicting them, is you're going to be getting a notice that they're moving out. Now, in the world of electronic emails and stuff like that, I still really encourage you to get a formal letter that states the tenant is moving out. I'm not going totally retro and saying that they have to, like, snail mail it or that they have to handwrite it or print it out and sign it and then, like, email it to you or, like, you scan it or whatever. All I'm saying is that you want some sort of written notice. So they really could, you know, type up something in Google Docs. Go over to Sign Now or Doc Hub or whatever way they might have to sign it and use an electronic signature to sign it and then send it over to you via email. So I'm not necessarily saying you have to go really old school, but you want to make sure it's not just an email where there's no signatures and it's just like, hey, I'm moving out. My last day there will be September 30th. Peace out. Like, <laughs> that's a really bad move out notice, not only from the tenant's perspective, but from ours as well. So I've talked about this previously that we have a pre-written notice for move out. So we've actually gone the route of creating our own with fill in the blanks that we send to a tenant that says they're going to move out. So if we get an email notice, like the one I just talked about, where it says like, peace out, we're moving out, we'll go ahead and send them the form via electronic signature and have them fill it out and sign it, have them fill out our form. If they send us theirs, you know, snail mail or even like a scanned one and it doesn't have everything we need in it, again, we're going to send them our, our template basically with the blanks for electronic signature they can fill in and send back to us. Now, this is the stuff you want to be sure is on the written notice. One, the move out date, the date that they're going to actually be surrendering the unit to you. Two, the names of all of the tenants that live in that premises. Three, signatures. I strongly encourage you to get the signatures of every person living in that unit if they are all vacating at the same time. So if you have roommates or a married couple, anyone that's over the age of 18 that's on that lease, you want to have them sign it as well. I have in the past with married couples taken a form signed by one of them. As long as it says that both people are moving out, as long as, you know, if If Mary Kleinsmith is submitting this move out notice to me, she signed at Mary Kleinsmith, but she says John and Mary Kleinsmith will be moving out of blank apartment at blank date. I'm fine accepting that because those two are married. We can treat it a little bit differently. But if you have a situation where you have multiple roommates that are not married, you want to make sure everyone is signing that form. So you have the move out date, all the tenants names that are moving out, all their signatures, The fourth thing you want is a forwarding address. By the time they're giving you notice, they should know where they're moving. So make sure you're getting that moving address, that uh, forwarding address, sorry, technically that's what it is, forwarding address. Then the other thing that we're doing, and this is especially true with our move out template notice, and this is why we kind of started it as well, was they have to check a box between two fields. 
where one line says, I will not be present for the move out inspection. I am waiving my right. Or the other box says, I want to be present for my move out inspection. I understand that management will try to schedule it within my schedule as much as possible, but I may not still be able, or I may not be guaranteed to still participate in the move out inspection if I can't accommodate it. So basically there's some sort of language that says like, we're gonna try our best to accommodate you for the move out schedule, for the move out inspection, but it's really up to you to pick the best time that we have available and you have to make it work for you, but we're not guaranteeing it. The reason you don't wanna guarantee it is because you could really get pushed down the line as far as when you can start working on that unit because you can't start working on that unit to re-rent it or even re-rent it until you've completed that move out inspection. So that's one of the biggest reasons why we switched to that template that we encourage tenants to use and that we send off if there's just one little thing missing on their notice, we send it off because we wanna find out what they wanna do with the move out inspection. So after we have that notice taken care of and everything's on file, the next thing we're doing is we're sending them our move out instructions. We have a packet. I, I really shouldn't call it a packet. It's like basically two pages. It's a cover letter and then it's a checklist. Maybe it's still a packet, but we have documents that we send over to the tenant after we have approved their move out. We do technically approve their move out in the sense of the notice is received, it has everything we need, and that the date is legally correct for a proper notice. This gets into a little nitty gritty that I don't really want to go into on this side of it, but if somebody's sending an improper notice that says, hey, I'll be out within 15 days, that's not a proper notice in the state of Wisconsin, so we're not technically accepting, accepting that move out notice. That's very short story of a very long story. But we're sending the move out expectations and instructions to the tenant. This gives them an idea of what the process looks like. So we tell them the security deposit's going to be sent out within 21 days of the date that they surrender the unit because that's what the state statutes say. Um, we're going to go through the expectations for how the unit should be cleaned. That's that checklist. We're telling them all the keys need to be returned if they're not going to be present for the move out then this is what you do with the keys. Then you need to send us an email that says, hey, I've surrendered the unit. If you don't send us that email, the unit's not considered surrendered, so we're still charging the rent. We're going through all these things in that, in that cover letter. If you do end up, and I'll kind of roll back a little bit here. If you do have a situation where a tenant's not gonna be present for the move-in, or I'm sorry, the move-out, and you need to basically start the clock for security deposit as soon as they move out, be sure you make it admin clear to the tenant that they need to email you a picture of the keys on the counter in the unit when they surrender it or else that security deposit clock is not going to start because you will not have been notified that the unit has been surrendered. So I really encourage you to, to point that out. Obviously, if you're not in Wisconsin, don't use 21 days. Use whatever the heck your state statutes say you have. But kind of get that point across that even when the move out is basically unattended per se, they still need to tell you when they surrender the unit. So after we send out the instructions and the expectations, then we're making sure we're entering that move out date in our calendar. So this is the first of 
three dates that are going to go into a calendar. Because you obviously want to remember that your tenant over at, you know, 1531 Birch Drive is moving out on October 31st. So put that in the calendar. Then if they wanted to be present for the move out inspection, then we're going to start scheduling the move out inspection. Now, this is where it's really, really important for you to take control. I kind of alluded to this a few minutes ago. If you have a tenant that wants to be present for the move out inspection, I encourage you to handle it the same way that we do showings, where we tell you that, okay, we're available at 5.15 on Tuesday, 5.30 on Tuesday, or you know 6.45 on Thursday night. Those are your three options for move-in appointments, or I'm sorry, move-out appointments. Let us know what works for you, or let us know which one you want. Go about it that way. Don't necessarily let the tenant take control and be like, oh, well, what days of the week work for you, or what's most convenient for you? Because then you could end up in a situation where the unit is sitting there for a full five, six days where there's no work getting done, nothing's happening, and you're basically losing time on a very real scale. Like, I feel like it's one thing to lose time, you know, because you're waiting for the contractor to finish up his next project. Like, okay, you told him ahead of time, you knew there was going to be a two-day wait, three-day wait, you already kind of planned for it. Or, you know, you're losing time because parts are still coming in that you had to order. Like, that's different, losing time that way. Losing time because the tenant is pushing off or just not being very quick with the move-out inspection is not a way you want to lose time. So I encourage you to do the approach of, I have this time at this date, this time at this date, this time at this date, and make it within two days of them moving in. So within two days. So on top of like, okay, October 31st was the move out date. So obviously if you have any openings for October 31st, offer them October 31st. Then offer October, I'm sorry, November 1st, November 2nd. Don't go any further out than November 2nd. Those are the three days that they can pick from and the appointment times that you have. It is their responsibility to make arrangements to be present, whether it be needing to get childcare or needing to uh, ask to take their lunch early or get off early, take a longer lunch, whatever it is, it's their responsibility to be able to be available within those time frames that you mentioned. Now, don't be an absolute asshole landlord and only give them one time. Please don't be that person because then you ruin it for all of us that want to try and force the tenant, but yet be slightly accommodating, realizing that, well, for too much of an asshole, that's how laws become changed against landlords' favors. So don't be the asshole landlord. Give them more than one option for a move-out appointment. Then that's the other appointment you're going to go ahead and enter into your calendar because obviously you don't want to miss it. You don't want to be late for it because then you just have to reschedule it and then you're pushing it out even further. Then we're going to go ahead and, and complete the move-out inspection with or without the tenant. So we're going to just talk about this in general terms. Whether or not they're there, you're going to go and complete the move-out. When you're completing your move-out... You are bringing that moving condition form that they may have filled out and returned to you. Now, I say may have because, again, going back to the move-in episode, here in the state of Wisconsin, a tenant has seven days to hold on to that form after they moved in 
in order to fill it out. Maybe they sent it back. Maybe they didn't. If they didn't send it back in that time frame, if it came back on the 8th or 9th or 10th day, we're not required to accept it. And we can basically say there was no move-in condition form submitted within the state statute guidelines. But anyway, so you're going to take your move-in condition form, assuming you have it. And if you don't know what a move-in condition form, really general terms, it's a form that you can either make, download, buy somewhere, where it gives you spaces to fill in move-out, move-out condition. Usually there's a column for charges Uh, And then it has like signature lines and stuff for the tenants. And it goes room by room, item by item. Just from experience here, I can tell you, make sure you get a move-in condition form that has very wide spaces for writing. There's a lot of them out there where it's very tiny fields, where basically the field is equal to a signature field and somehow you're expecting the tenant to write in that small block without bleeding over into the move outside what's wrong with the unit. Even filling in something like cracked countertop and like a kitchen area if countertop isn't its own line can bleed over into the move out condition section. So my one piece of advice is make sure that any move in condition form that you get has adequate boxes for real people writing things in if you're going to do it that way or you can go the really really cool like fancy route which is what we recently started doing we had our move-in condition report created as a fillable pdf and we're having that sent off to them so they can fill it out if they send it back to us and even if it's on the seventh day we'll then go ahead and send it back to them for electronic signature because you can't really do a fillable pdf with a signature thing as far as i know yet so we're kind of like sending it back again but we always tell them hey you have to sign it within 24 hours or guess what it's still not valid because you didn't sign it so you could go that route you could create a pdf have someone make it fillable for you or maybe you know how to make it fillable and then you really won't have to worry about like handwriting going over into the other side Uh, And you just basically have to make sure your fields are wide enough to amount for the number of characters that they're going to want in there. So we're at the move out inspection. We're going through room by room, line by line of our move in condition form. And we're basically comparing. The other thing you're doing room by room is you're taking up close pictures of any damage that you believe is going to be withheld from their security deposit. So in the kitchen, maybe there are nicks on the countertop that wasn't there before. Maybe it looks like Somebody went axe murder on their kitchen top, you know, Lizzie Borden style. Well, okay, take a picture of that. Make sure you have that picture to back up that, hey, my countertop really looks like the ghost of Lizzie Borden was practicing things in here. This was not the way it was before. Here's the move in condition picture. This is the move out form and the move out condition picture. You can definitely see, Your Honor, some weird stuff was going on over there. So you make sure you're getting your up close pictures of any damages. What a lot of people tend to forget to do is get pictures of cleaning or trash in the unit. It's equally important to get pictures of any cleaning that you're gonna charge for or any trash removal you're gonna charge for. There's a couple, well, there's a fair amount of landlords out there that just kind of think strictly about damage, like holes in walls, holes in doors, nicks on countertops, things like that. But you've got to remember that anything you want to try and deduct from the security deposit, you really should have picture backup for, with the exception of, obviously, unpaid rent or unpaid charges on their ledger. What kind of pictures are you going to have for that? But any damaged pictures, including cleaning, trash, actual damage, 
painting. Again, uh, another thing. Don't forget, if somebody made a bedroom all black because their daughter was in a goth phase, take a picture of that bedroom so that you can say to the judge, yeah, this bedroom when they moved in, it was not goth black. It was white. Now it's black. That's why I charge for painting. Really important to make sure you have those damaged pictures so that everything works appropriately when you, if you end up in court. If the tenant is there for the move out inspection, one thing you might be tempted to do or they might ask is if, is if they can have time to fix things. What I always tell them, if you can fix whatever it is by the time I finish my move out inspection and I like how you've made amends with it, we can go ahead and nix that charge. So if they miss cleaning the oven and I say, hey, you miss cleaning the oven, I don't necessarily offer it to them. I wait for them to say, oh, well, do you think I could clean it real quickly and then I wouldn't be charged for it or would I get the chance to clean it? I always say, if you can finish cleaning it before I finish the rest of the move out, then yes. Now, if it's something towards the end of my move out, I still say if, I can, if you can finish it by the time I'm done with my move out, and I give them a little extra, like 10 minutes. So let's say I finished up in the last bedroom. Usually it's the bedrooms you end up in last. I'm sorry if you can hear the sirens going off. I live off of a main street. I think I've said that before. And apparently something is really going down right now because I've heard two out of the four squad cars that we have in this city going in the same direction. So something is going on. But anyway, um, if it's at the end of the move out, like let's say the sliding glass door wasn't clean in a bedroom, then I'm going to finish my paperwork, give them the opportunity, and I'm gonna give them about an extra like five minutes, maybe even beyond my paperwork if they're not done yet, just to be nice, you know, give them a little opportunity to save themselves the $35, $45 charge, whatever it is. The way I look at it, if I'm giving them an extra five minutes and it saves them $45 from the move out charge or 35, whatever it is, they're going to look very favorably upon me and that's actually going to benefit me in the long run because they're not going to go out there and lambast me as some, you know, horrible, non-accommodating landlord or property manager. So now we're going to assume the move out is done entirely. If the tenants move present for their move out inspection, they have to sign off on it. So sign off somewhere there. There'll be a signature line for move out. Have them sign there. You or your employer, whoever it is, will sign off on the other side. Then there will be a signature line for them. If you haven't gotten the forwarding address yet, definitely make it a point to try and get it then. Now, it's not your responsibility to get it, but it's one of those nice courtesies. Like, hey, we still don't have your forwarding address. Could you write it down on this form? Or if there's not a space on the form, hey, could you write it down on this piece of paper? Um, could you pull out your phone and email it to me right away? whatever it is, but make that final effort to get that forwarding address if you don't have it. Because again, that's going to be something that can make you look really good. Because if you don't get a forwarding address, you mail it to the last known address that they had. If they didn't forward mail for whatever reason, it's just going to sit in that mailbox. Or if they did forward their mail, it's going to be that much longer before they get it. And they're going to be like, hey, where's my security deposit, dude? And you'll be like, dude, you didn't give me a forwarding address, so it's being forwarded to you. 
sorry. So obviously, you're not going to put it that way. But that's why we try and make one last-ditch effort, effort to get that forwarding address. So at this point, we've got keys returned to us. Depending on your, your process, this might look different. We get keys back. They go in the lockbox at the property. That way, they're available for our contractors to use. You might take the, the keys back, put them on a key ring, give them a key tag, things like that. Whatever works for what your process is, go ahead and do it. Those damaged pictures that we took, we're uploading them immediately to the tenant's cloud folder. So I talked about the cloud folder that we have where they keep, or where we keep their lease, their move-in pictures, any other things we wanna keep documented during the course of our tenancy. So if they're a housing tenant, any housing notices we get go up there. Uh, any other random things that we feel we should keep go in that cloud, and then the damaged pictures go in the cloud. Now, for the most part, we're done for a little bit. I don't necessarily dive in and do the security deposit reconciliation right away. Uh, I usually kind of let it let it cook for a little bit, I guess is kind of a bad way to put it, but I don't necessarily go run back and do it right away. When it does come time to do it, we have property management software program, so I'm doing it in there. Uh, I hope you have something similar. So follow your process in your property management software for doing that. Couple things on that is making sure that before you start that process in your system that all non-applicable rent and late fee charges are reversed. So maybe they moved out October 31st, but then November 1st came, they were charged rent. November 3rd came, they were charged a late fee. Before you start your move out process in your property management software, go ahead and reverse those charges. Also, if you had a situation where maybe somebody gave you a 45 day notice because maybe they bought a house uh, and things got a little funky and they got a little delayed and you let them stay, make sure that you appropriately prorate the rent for those last 15 days or whatever it is through the month. Now, again, this is assuming they gave you the minimum notice required for your state. The other thing you want to be sure is just make sure that any charges that you are entering in there for the damages are assigned to a specific category. So in your property management software, I want to encourage you to set up the following accounting categories for move out. Repair, paint, trash removal, cleaning. Those four. I encourage you to have those uploaded as categories in your accounting so that you can actually allocate them as they need to be. If you were to ever produce a move out ledger in court where it's just $620 with the memo of move out charges, kiss your security deposit keeping goodbye because the judge is going to go, no, that is nowhere near, near enough information. Even if you have the move-in condition form, they're going to say, no, that doesn't fly. Sorry. So make sure you have those four categories in there. Make sure you're divvying up the charges. Now you don't have to go like room by room and say kitchen cleaning, living room cleaning, bedroom cleaning. But what you can do is go cleaning, $135. Repair, $210. You can do that there and then that move in condition form, move out condition form, that could suffice as proof of what was charged for cleaning, for repairs, so on and so forth. 
Now, what we like to do is on top of the ledger in the move in, move out condition form, we have a security deposit reconciliation form that we actually provide. The reason we do this is because we found that reading tenant ledgers through almost any property management software can be really confusing for a tenant. So for ours, it's basically like an Excel spreadsheet form where it tells the deposit they paid, then it semi-itemizes deductions. By semi-itemized, I mean it has like, on the first column it says cleaning, and then like there's this long field where we can fill in as much about the cleaning as we can, and then it gives the amount deducted. And we go through and we list the amount deductions like in that sense, including any rent that was withheld, late fees, unpaid water, whatever it was. And it's basically so that on the far right side, the column is like a mathematical equation you can, fo you can follow from start to finish. So you start with 850, you subtract 125, subtract, subtract 210, subtract you know $75, and then boom, this is the amount you're getting back, the one at the bottom in bold. So that's an extra step that we take depending on what your process is with your property management software program and what your moving about condition form looks like, you may want to consider incorporating something like that into your process. So that takes care of doing it in the software. You get your check if there's one that's applicable, you sign it, you send it off. You be sure to include a tenant ledger. If you have a security deposit reconciliation form like we do, include that. And if they were not present for the move out inspection, give them a carbon copy of that move out inspection form. If it's not carbon copy, then you're gonna actually make a physical copy of what their move-in condition form and move out condition form was like after you finish it and send it off and include it in that. That's what we're doing because we're doing the electronic one. So mm -hmm. basically what has to happen is we will get the electronic form back from the tenant. Then when it comes time to move out, we'll take it with us and we actually, this is something we had to start doing. We kind of started doing a little separate form that they actually fill out or sign at the property that says we were present for our move out inspection as we requested. Uh, due to the form being electronic, I did not physically sign off on it, but I've been made aware of the charges and I've seen the accounting at the move out appointment. They sign that, print out the move out movement condition form, include it in that envelope, send it off to them. Boom, done. What you want to be sure you're doing is keeping copies of everything. Now, we used to keep copies of security deposit checks. We no longer do that. I haven't done that, I think, in my entire career for 15 years. But previously, back in the 90s, early 2000s, when I was being trained, we were keeping copies of security deposit checks. We're no longer doing that, basically because it's really easy to get a copy of that check from your bank now. But we're keeping a copy of that move out, move in condition report. Even if it's not carbon copy, we're keeping a copy of it. We're keeping a copy of that security deposit ledger. We're keeping a copy of the, uh, sorry, security deposit reconciliation form and our tenant ledger. Those are all getting uploaded into the OneDrive cloud drive that we have for that tenant. We're making sure that the security deposit is postmarked by the deadline. Keep in mind that the U.S. Postal Service is no longer guaranteeing postmarks on Saturdays. So you've got to be sure you get it in your box like Friday, because if your deadline is Saturday or Sunday, number one, you know it's not going to get postmarked Sunday. It's a 50-50 chance if it's going to get postmarked Saturday. So what I encourage you to do is say that 
you want to have that security deposit in the mail the Friday before whatever its deadline is. Make sure you're not missing that deadline because of a stupid postmark thing. Because even if you mail it out and let's say it was postmarked a day late, if you have a really, really ornery tenant, while they may not be able to succeed with a court case against you, they likely could succeed in filing a complaint against you for not issuing the security deposit in the proper amount of time. So just be sure to pay attention to that security deposit deadline. Make sure you're getting that postmarked in there correct. The very last thing that we're doing is we're making sure the tenants moved out of the property management system with the end lease date in there, everything properly, how we need it in our system to make sure it functions well. And then we're going over to the cloud drive and removing that tenants folder from within the property and the owner folder into our past tenant and applicant folder for the year. So we're moving that folder out into the past one so we're not getting confused and accidentally uploading stuff into the wrong tenant folder. It goes into a different holding folder in the cloud and then at the end of the year they get downloaded to a flash drive which I save in my house. Whew. Guys, that is the move out process. And it's just crazy. Like this episode is 30 minutes. I think our move in one was maybe 22 minutes or so. There was a lot more in here, which like I told you, there was going to be a lot more in here. But it's a really crucial part of your operations is making sure you have documentation, making sure that you're consistent in how you do these things and making sure that you are on top of your law. Now, really quickly, I know this is long enough already, but I didn't mention this and I'm really kind of mad at myself for not mentioning this. We have a form for ourselves internally, which helps us decide how much to deduct for a move out charge. So it's itemized by particular repair, cleaning, so on and so forth. And it gives good, good, fair and bad ratings. And then boom, we go down and we select the amount we're going to charge, we circle it. And it makes it really easy for security deposit counting on our side. We're not like sitting there mulling over, okay, this is Let's see here, this is $20 an hour for labor. This might take, you know, let's see here, about an hour and a half. So in my math, I'm really bad at math in my head, so I have no idea. I hate that. So that's the other reason why we created this form. It's just really easy for us. Good, fair, bad, boom, 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 circle it. And it makes it really easy for us. So I encourage you to create something like that similar where it's basically an itemized deduction template with different rating systems. Make sure you have different rating systems in there. If you don't, again, I'm sorry, you're just asking for trouble. You're going to be that asshole landlord that makes it difficult for the rest of us. Whew. All right. Now we're at 33 minutes. So I hope you guys have a fantastic week. I will see you next time on another episode of the Landlord Chick Podcast.